Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. It is a great honor to have Scott here with us. Scott has served on the board of directors for Burning Ones for years and years now. Uh, we always joke and say we don't really understand why he would want to serve alongside of us uh, when he has so many other amazing things that are happening. They lead a ministry called Together for Israel, bringing awareness to the nations of God's heart for Israel as we are leaning in towards the last days. Um, a tremendous impact globally. They lead Israel tours. Uh, a website would be togetherforisrael.org. If you have a heart for Israel, for what God is doing throughout the nations pertaining to Israel, if you have a heart to visit the land, um, I would strongly encourage jumping on their website. That is togetherforisrael.org. He didn't ask me to do these things. As a matter of fact, he's probably wondering why I'm doing them. Uh, his website is togetherforisrael.org. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. They have resources on YouTube. You can download their TFI or Together for Israel app uh, where they are continually uploading resources, things that are made available to provoke us to greater jealousy pertaining to God's heart pertaining to Israel. Um, it, it is an extraordinary privilege for us to have Scott with us. Uh, we personally partner with them in an ongoing way. Um, this isn't just some protocol thing when you're supposed to introduce a speaker at an event. Um, I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage um, following along with these guys, we had the joy to publish Scott's first book. Scott is an author, y'all. <laughs> uh, we, we had the joy to publish Scott's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is the title of the book. For anyone who may be surprised, Jesus Was Not a Christian. Uh, if you're wondering if the, the title is provoking to you, buy the book. Um, did you bring books? Yes, there are books out there. Jesus was not a Christian. Um, we love these guys. They are the real deal. I would hop on board with them in whatever way you possibly could. Um, track with them, follow them, pray for them as they are traveling the nations, bringing awareness to the nations of God's heart pertaining to Israel, and partner with them if the Lord would lead you to do so. Um, partner with them if the Lord would lead you to do so. Can you stand with me this morning and help me? as we welcome Scott Volk to come and minister the word of the Lord. Wow, you may be seated. What an honor to be here. I felt like we just got invited into Jason Upton's living room for about an hour. I feel, uh, I feel so refreshed. So... Jason, I love you. You know, what's, you know what's amazing? Like when I think about it, uh, is it okay to step down? There, <laughs> be careful. <laughs> I'll stand back when I say anything. <laughs> uh, relationships are so important. 
gosh, I met Jason 25 years ago. Bob and I were at some conference, 20 years ago, Bob and I were at some conference in Nashville, Tennessee. It's just amazing when the Lord brings people across your paths, just in a relational way. Can I encourage you, don't take that for granted. And I'm not talking about personalities. I mean anybody. The Lord may cross your path with people, and they may actually be an angel. <laughs> be careful to show them hospitality. But you have no idea the caliber of people that the Lord is sending you, even though you might never have met them, and they might not have a name, and they might not be verified on social media. People like Jason and, and Al Sergal, the drummer, Al taught my, my, Al is like my son's hero. When he was, how old was Joe Beth when he started taking drum lessons with Al? 12? 12 years old, he starts taking drum lessons with Al. And um, Al doesn't just give him drum lessons, but just really speaks to him and encourages him. And, and Joe has been drumming ever since he's been 12, traveling around the world with people whose names you would recognize and loves the Lord. <laughs> Amazing. To my kids, some, some, sometimes Beth and I get asked, you know, how did your kids turn out the way they did? Well, by God's grace, we did what we could, but it was the people who God brought across our paths who ended up becoming heroes to my kids, not because they were heroes, but because they were lovers of God who provoked them into a relationship with him. It blows me away. Like, like my daughter, we, were, we just moved out of our house and uh, we're, we're building a house and we pulled out all of these, uh, these boxes and underneath one of the bed was my oldest daughter, Elisa's box of journals. I'm talking how many, like dozens of journals, which I didn't like read through, but just flipped through pages and pages and pages and pages that she started writing when she was in her young teenage years because an older person somewhere between her age and our age took an interest in her, would take her out to coffee, would encourage her to journal. So we would open up our house to people. These people would come into our house and our kids' lives would be changed forever. I, that is just so cool. So looking at, at these guys up here, I mean, it just blows me away. And Mike and Anna and Bob and Gina and Jeff and Carol Hubing and so many of you here, maybe some who are watching, who've been able to not just be friends, but to influence my children, and that's the best. You, you touch someone's children, whoa. <laughs> you touch someone's children and you touch the heart of their parents, which is another message for another time, but think about touching the, the children of Israel. God's firstborn son. What does that do to God's heart when we pay attention to the, one the, the ones through whom Messiah came? That's pretty cool. He who touches Israel touches the apple of God's eye. And you can, you can touch him in a good way and you can touch him in a bad way. The good way brings blessing and favor on you. The bad way brings watch out. 
but that's, that's not the, the topic of, of my message today. I just wanted to encourage you. Don't ever take somebody crossing your paths for granted. Don't ever do it. Show them love and mercy and watch the rewards that end up coming back to you without you even having desired that. So as I was just sitting watching these guys and thinking of my kids, uh, it just really, really blesses me. All right. I feel like I'm following, as far as the guys who preached, I, I can't hold a candle to these guys. I mean, I was like, Corey just, whew. And then Billy, Corey, Billy, and Bob. That, that sounds like a game show. <laughs> Corey, Billy, and Bob. Bob, Bob like blew me away last night. He said some profound things. Cal, like Bob spelled backwards is Bob. <laughs> Shoo, I wrote that one down. <clears throat> I feel like I, I feel like there's a word that's on my heart. Oh, Bob, I just, I just called you by name, bro. He's walking in. Can, can I guess why you're here? I, I just told them that you, you like said so many profound things last night, and they, they all went, yeah. And then I said, but the most profound thing to me was the fact that Bob spelled forwards and backwards was the same. Anyway, just wanted to make sure you heard that. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Exodus chapter 3. <clears throat> it's, it's interesting because Bob mentioned last night that as soon as he started thinking about the, this convocation, the Lord put a word on his heart. And it's not so dissimilar to me, but yesterday everything changed. Because we were driving back to the hotel just a few hours before the meeting, and Mike leaned over to me and said, it would be amazing if you speak on Hineni. And I said, bro, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Nana was like, yeah, that'd, that'd be incredible. Well, if I, I didn't necessarily need a confirmation, but Jason and I saw each other for the first time in I don't know how many years last night, and... Jason gives me a big hug, and we're in the back room, and he looks at me, and you know what he says? Hineni. I don't know where that came from, dude, but it was like, okay. He said it. You could have said any word to me. You could have said Milwaukee, rain, open heaven. You said Hineni. So it was, it was like, okay, Lord, th this is the word for today. And although... It is like if I had one word to speak, if, some, if, if the Lord, if, if I was invited and, and I only got one chance, this would, be, this would be the word because it's a life message for me. Typically, I have a ring on my finger that says Hineni, but unfortunately, not unfortunately, I always end up giving my Hineni rings away. But I have it on my finger because it's a word that's been ingrained into my heart. It's a word my father taught me when I was younger. <clears throat> it's a biblical word, it's an ultimate word, and it's a word I want to challenge you with today. Hineni 
means here am I. In Hebrew, it's two words, the first one being hine, which means behold, and ani, which means me. Behold me. Let's just take those two words really quickly. Behold means stop what you're doing and look this way. Now, I'm not telling you to stop. <laughs> I mean, some of you just looked up. That's what behold means. There's something worth looking at. When, when John was baptizing, he stopped what he was doing. He said, wait a second, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Like, look that way, there he is. Behold. What, one thing that Beth and I really enjoy doing is going to football games together when we get an opportunity in Charlotte. Somebody was wearing a Green Bay shirt. I saw that shirt, great. <laughs> at, at, at these games, sometimes the, the fighter jets fly over and every eye in the stadium, you could just watch it, you know, go like this. They're beholding something. I used to live in Pensacola, the Blue Angels would practice all the time. You behold it, you watch, it's something worth looking at. And then the word ani, me. Behold me, hineni. Say that with me. Hineni. Say it one more time. Hineni. Stop what you're doing and look this way because I'm your guy or I'm your gal. Now, the interesting thing about Hineni in the word is you're saying to God, look this way, I'm your guy or gal. But you're volunteering for something without knowing what's coming next. God, here I am. Whatever you say, I will do. If I was asking for volunteers today, <laughs> hey, listen, I, I need five volunteers. You, you might say, well, <laughs> what am I volunteering for? Well, we're going to... Uh, we're going to do a missions trip to Maui, an all-expense-paid missions trip to Maui. He named me. But in Scripture, that's not how God works. And there's a quality of a Hineni people that the Lord is looking for so that his kingdom can be seen. And I want to start... In Exodus chapter 3, Lord, I pray that you, would subs, uh, that, you would, that you would come alongside of me and, and, and take these human words and add your spirit to them. Supplement my natural speech with a quality that would make this message yours. And I yield to you and I say, Father, speak I am listening, and corporately we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Could you, just, could you just say that? Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Father, I pray that these words would penetrate so that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. 
Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the wilderness, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not yet consumed. Just, just stop right here for a minute. There are some remarkable things in these first two verses of Exodus chapter 3 that kind of go against what many of us would probably be comfortable with. Like the first thing, Moses was pasturing the flock. The way, the way we've come to understand pastoring today is way different than what a shepherd was in the Bible. As a matter of fact, shepherding was the lowest of low jobs. It's not like any, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish, and, and when you're born into a Jewish home, they have high aspirations for you. You're, my son's going to be a doctor, a lawyer, the president. No Jewish mother would want their son to be a shepherd. It was the lowest rung on the totem pole. Shepherding sheep. That's not, the, that's not the thing for which you're trying to build your life. Well, what are you going to be when you grow? I'm going to be a shepherd. So the first jarring thing I see here is that this ultimate deliverer was doing the most menial of tasks. The second thing I see is that he's led to the backside of the desert. Not only was he doing the most menial of tasks, but he's in a place where nobody's going to notice him. He, he's like obscurity to the nth degree. Look, if you're looking, if you're looking right now, currently in our modern day society to be like the next thing, you want, you want to be right here where everybody can see you and, and, and say, well, amazing. You want to be on the front of magazines. You want to see your, your social media presence increasing. Who's going to get off social media if they really have a heart to be used by God? Led to the backside of the wilderness and came to Horeb. Can I tell you this morning, I found out what the meaning of Horeb was because I woke up a little early and I opened my little Bible app to get the definition of Horeb, which I didn't know before today. By the way, this is Horeb, Horeb, the mountain of God. Do you know what Horeb means? Arid, dryness, desolate, dried up, waste place. The mountain of God, arid, dry. Bro, I'm with you, 68 degrees, take me there. Sandy, sometimes when I talk about God chose a land where his name would dwell forever and where his people dwell for is forever, and he chose Israel? What was he thinking? I would have chosen San Diego. But God chooses dead places because that's where resurrection happens. Because we believe in God who gives life to the dead. 
and speaks into being that which does not exist. We choose things that are alive because we think they're going to benefit us. God chooses things that are dead because that's how he gets glorified. So the mountain of God is not this palatial place that everybody wants to be. It's probably the place that no one's going to find because they're looking with their natural eyes for something that they have no idea actually exists in the place of dryness and waste and arid and desert. Now Moses. You know how old Moses was? 80. 80. I've been privileged to be part of some schools of ministry. I went to two of them myself when I was younger. I won't take you all the way back to my nursery school days like Bob did last night. But I did go to two ministry schools and Bible colleges and was actually part of two myself. And do you know what I, what I experienced personally and saw personally when people would get ready to get out of school? Man, you're going to shake the nations. You're going you're gonna to go out from this place at commencement. I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you are going to go. Sometimes that's not how God thinks. Moses knew at 40 he was a deliverer. As a matter of fact, when you look at Stephen in Acts 7 recounting, let me just read this to you. In, in, in Acts 7, Stephen is re recounting the life of Moses. And in verse 25 of Acts 7, it says, Moses supposed that his brothers understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. Do you know that at 40, Moses knew that he was the deliverer, but that didn't qualify him to be the deliverer yet? that there was some process that God was requiring in order to make his character fit into that which God was calling him to do? Oh, but Scott, God spoke to me. This is what I'm called to do. Great. That's awesome. Are you sure now's the time? Moses thought it was at 40. He breaks an Egyptian in half, hides him in the sand, and now he spends 40 years on the backside of the wilderness getting qualified to become the person that God was going to use to bring freedom to the people through whom the Messiah was going to ultimately come. That's crazy. And that's flesh killing. Pastoring backside of the desert. <laughs> Sorry. Horeb and a bush. A bush. God chose a bush. I used to drive, I used to live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I would drive from Dallas where I was going to college. <clears throat> I'm sorry, from Dallas. Uh, I did go to college there, and I would, I would drive to Phoenix, taking that highway, to, I think it's Highway 10, through Texas to the desert, and these bushes, I think they call them tumbleweeds, rolling across the road. One of them, I remember, smacked my windshield. Useless desert bushes 
with no life in them. I mean, if you've ever been in the middle of the desert, this is, this is the backside of the desert, and God doesn't choose to show up in any magnificent way through any great anything. He chooses a bush. And the bush is on fire and is not consumed. Verse 3. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and says, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Hineni. Here am I look no further. <laughs> I'm your man, 80 years old, tending sheep on the backside of the desert. What, what in the world? You're the best. Thanks, Mikhail. What in the world? Why did not God choose him when he was in his prime at 40? Why did not God choose him when he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Why did God not choose him when he was educated in all of the learnings of Egypt, the greatest education he could have received? Because none of that qualifies us. In the eyes of man, it qualifies us. But in the eyes of God, maybe some of those very things disqualify us. As a matter of fact... <clears throat> person really influential in my life made this statement. No man, you can substitute woman, no man or woman, but I'm just going to say it as he said it, no man is more qualified to fulfill God's purposes than when he thinks himself unqualified. Why didn't God allow Abram to have a baby when he was young? The Bible says his body was as good as dead. <laughs> and Sarah, who was already barren, had gone through her entire cycle. She now has no live eggs left in her body to be fertilized. Abram, body as good as dead. Sarah, dead. God says, this time next year, I'm going to give you a son. We believe in God who gives life to the dead. Abram whose name became, by the way, Abram's name means father, exalted father, and he had no children. We're going to talk about Abram in a minute. But he lived with an entire lifetime with a name that contradicted his reality. And then God changed his name when he was 90-something years old from Abram to Abraham, which means father of multitudes, and he still had no kids. So God names him father of multitudes with no children and utter impossibility that he'll ever have one. That's what qualifies us. When we're willing to live in the tension of knowing there's a promise on our lives and a calling and a willingness rather than to climb the ladder to get on to places where people see us, that we look for ways to serve and, 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 and maybe even purposely, purposely say, God, listen, is this, is this something you're calling me to do? Is, is there any self-promotion in me that needs to die? When the Lord saw him turned aside 
God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, Moses said, here am I. Hineni. In other words, look no further. I'm your man. And then God gives an impossible call to an 80-year-old man. And he says that he's heard the cry of the Israelites, verse 8. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, verse 10. Therefore, come now. I will send you to Pharaoh. I will send you. Well, who, who are you? You're an 80-year-old man, unknown. Matted hair. You smell like sheep. Nobody's going to recognize you. You're the one. You have no natural human strength on your own. You're the one. I love Moses' response to God's call. In verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I? You know, 40 years ago, you know what Moses said? I am Moses. I'm your deliverer. Look at me. I'm learned in all the education of the Egyptians. I'm the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm the prince of Egypt. That, that's who the movie was about, right, Moses? Sometimes I get Moses and Disney mixed up. <laughs> the prince of Egypt. No, 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 no. Who am I that I should go? Oh, for men and women, when they hear God's call. Some people would say, oh, you're the head and not the tail. You've got God living inside of you. I get all of that. But in our heart of hearts, if we, we think we in and of ourselves are able to produce anything good, friends, it's going to end in destruction. God opposes the proud opposes, but gives grace to the humble. Like, if you want God on your side, you got to get rid of yourself. Who am I that I should go? And the Lord said, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you. You know, there's something about Moses that just so absolutely blesses me. Because he's written about in Hebrews chapter 11, but his foibles aren't even mentioned there. He was a man who lived by faith. We, we can mess up in our journeys. We can, we can kill an Egyptian. We can try to do things in our own strength. But that doesn't have to be the end of our story, friends. The, the earth might wash you up and, and say, you're done. You'll, you'll, you'll never amount to anything. But God has a, a plan and a purpose to use you for his kingdom's sake, and the enemy would whisper in your ear, remember when you did this, or, or remember when you did this? By faith, Moses. Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season. Why? He was looking to the reward. Friends, where are our eyes? If our eyes are on an earthly reward that will bring us all the fame and fortune that this world has, we're heading in the wrong direction. A long disobedience in the wrong direction. 
Hineni. Whatever you say, I will do. That's the kind of people that will ready the bride. Those are the kinds of sons and daughters that the Lord's looking for, a Hineni people. Flip over, if you would, to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Verse 1. By the way, in this story, Abraham is somewhere between 115 and 135 years old, which means Isaac, his son, according to people way smarter than I, say that Isaac is somewhere between the age of 15 and 35. Okay? Now it came about after these things. After what things? After the fact that Abraham lived 100 years without realizing in in the natural the promise that God gave him. When Abraham was 75 years old, God spoke and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. Through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. You know what God was doing? He was reversing the curse of sin and death, and he was looking for someone through whom Messiah could come. Because Adam and Eve messed up creation with with partaking of the fruit, death entered in, and because God loved you and he loved me enough, he instituted a plan right there. And he prophesied over the snake saying one was going to come that was going to crush your head. And I need a people through whom that Messiah could come. And he chose Abraham. And he said, Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Your, Your descendants will be like the stars in the heaven. Look up in the sky, Abraham. This is before Abraham had one child as his body was naturally deteriorating and his barren wife could bear him no children. God says, look at the sky, so shall your descendants be. After what things? After he waited a hundred years to have a son. Came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am, Hineni, look no further, I'm your guy, whatever you ask of me, Lord, I will do it. Be careful when you say Hineni to God. Buckle your seatbelts. The Lord said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I would tell you? My response would have been, I rebuke you, devil. (laughs) That's the voice of the enemy whispering in my ear. I've waited a hundred years for this promise. I got to tell you something. I don't fully understand this. I can't, I can't fathom in the natural me considering giving this any weight for any of my kids whatsoever. I would, I would have just said, Lord, take me. Put me on that altar. Let alone a son I've been waiting a hundred years for. Let alone a son through whom the Messiah would be born. 
Do you understand this? If there's no Isaac, there's no Jesus. This is, the, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. But the promise that God made to Abraham went through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There's no Isaac, there's no Jesus. And God is saying, put him on the altar. That might be the time you take back your Hineni. Well, I didn't mean it. <laughs> I mean, I spoke too soon. Please forgive me. This is a remarkable story. So Abram, Abraham rose early. And that, just stop right there. If God spoke that to, to any of us, I mean, I'd, I'd start my 40-day fast right now. I'd ask for signs in the heavens and on earth. Confirmations, Lord, if this is really you, you got to have this and this and this and this and this. Abraham rose early. You know why? Because Abraham believed in God who gives life to the dead. I mean, if, if, if Isaac could be birthed through his dead, dead body and her dead womb, God can raise the dead. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of, that God had told him, and on the third day, I love third day. Third day is an amazing day. But I got to get moving. Just do a study on third day in the Bible. Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go, off, will go over there and we will worship and return to you. This is the first place worship is mentioned in the word. I'm not a theologian, but I've heard the term the law of first mention. That the, that the first time a word is used in scripture, is like, it's like the purest form. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. So was there like some electric instruments waiting at the top of this mountain? No. This had nothing to do with the song. You, I mean, you touched on it so beautifully this morning. Listening to God, hearing what he has to say. By the way, in, in, in Hebrew, there's a word for hear. It's shema, S-H-E-M-A, if you're spelling it in English, shema, which doesn't just mean hear. It means hear and obey. So I... I if I'm not mistaken, in Hebrew, there's not a word that just means hear. So when, when you say you're hearing, it implies that you're obeying. Hear and obey. That's worship. That's worship. I and the lad will go yonder worship and return to you. By the way, just imagine Isaac, 15 or older. I'm, he could have taken his father down if he wanted to. Like, I'm, I'm blown away by the disposition of a strapping teenager with a hundred and something year old dad. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took 
in the hand the fire, verse 6, and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Hineni, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb. By the way, do you know that this is the spot on which the lamb of God was crucified? Mount Moriah, do you know that? Do you know that in the very spot where God asked Abraham to put his only son on the altar, God offered up his son in our place so that the nations could be blessed just like God promised Abraham. Through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed that the blood of Jesus was shed right here Verse 9, they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood, and bound his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Hineni, like, thanks for calling me again. Here I am. Don't stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from him. Abraham raised his eyes and looked. Behold, there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering the place of his son. Verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. And it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. You know, we used to sing this song when I was younger. I can't sing, but remember that song, Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. We would sing it. And then we would wonder why God's not providing for us. Well, maybe we're not really worshiping. Maybe we're not doing what Abraham did to see God truly and ultimately provide. Friends, he wants to provide exceedingly abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. He's just looking for worshipers. He's looking for people who will say, Hineni, I'm following you wherever you go. I will follow. Also talked about this morning is really, truly worshiping. And last night, follow me. Amazing scripture. I, I want to read one more to you. My, my favorite, Hineni. They're all, they're all great. This one blows my mind. Isaiah 58, we're going to close with this passage. <clears throat> Isaiah 58. The first five verses tell you how not to fast. What do you mean how not to fast? Isn't fasting great? Fasting is great. But there's a right way of fasting and a wrong way of fasting. <laughs> there's a kind of fasting that actually turns God's eyes away from you. 
There's a kind of fasting that gets God's attention. In Matthew 6, I was talking with Mike Dow about this a couple of months ago in his garage. He said, and I loved it, he said, do you know in Matthew 6 it says, when you fast and when you pray and when you give, those are not options. Jesus didn't say, if you fast, fast this way. He said, when you fast. Giving's, giving isn't an option. Jesus didn't say, if you give. He says, when you give. And praying is not an option. But you can do all three of those amazingly beautiful things in the wrong way and actually turn God's heart away from you. Ananias and Sapphira gave more than I've ever given, probably. Cost them their lives, though, because they gave the wrong way. So there's fasting and there's fasting. I'm talking about fasting. Verse 6. Is th this is the right way. This is God's chosen fast. Is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness? To undo the bands of the yoke and let the oppressed go free? And to break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry? Bring the homeless poor into the house? When you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself and, and, to, and to hide yourself from your and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Verse 8, get ready. Then your light will break out like the dawn. Your recovery will speedily spring forth. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And listen to this. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and God will say, Hineni. What? God says, Hineni, here am I to us. Do, do you know how staggering that is? Don't look any further, Mike. I'm your king. Whatever you ask, I will do it. Look no further, Demetria. What do you want? That's crazy. We've, we've, we've turned God into this like cosmic vending machine. <laughs> Pull it out, get what you need. That's not what I'm talking about. Our hearts would be in such a place that we are so united with God's heart. He says, ask whatever you will and I'll do it. But not only will I do it, you know what I'm going to do? Exceedingly abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. God is looking for a Hanani people because God's a Hanani God. And his heart is not that you barely squeak by. His heart is that you are filled with his spirit in abundance, lacking no good Thing, filled to overflowing with all that he desires and desires for, for you because it's your desires as you're living for him. A Hineni people get a Hineni God and that changes the world. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.